Welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures through the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus-year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most of the places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you've got an extra buck or two, you'd mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Steering Music Podcast. Also considering helping get the word out of the street via social media, five-star rating and review in iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Greg Allman. I said other people can write songs. Let's see if I can. So the first 400 or 500 wound up on the floor somewhere. Then I wrote one called Melissa. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 251. Please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distilleries, Ivy Chrysler, Pine City, and the B-Dale Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a beautiful, cool summer day here at my family's cabin outside of Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. Despite everything, Turtle Lake Summer School has officially begun. I've never had to sanitize and disinfect so much stuff in my entire life. But the kids and staff are all doing their best to stay safe, and the drawing class Classes are going well and very anxious for the 2020 summer school play. Last week's gigs wrap up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Thanks to John Sonius and P. Fitty for swinging out. Friday, I played a solo show at Volstead in Egan, Minnesota. Great to see T. Desi rocking out and putting me over with the folks in Egan. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson myself rocked out at JJ's Pub at Commander Bar in Breezy Point, Minnesota. I hope that Leah's government order passes and makes Breezy Point a no Sweet Caroline zone. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, August 5th, 2020, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Holt, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, August 7th, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in Whiteberry Lake, Minnesota from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be jamming at Eagle Lounge in Fox Creek, Wisconsin from 7 to 10 p.m. Sunday, Johnson and I again will be rocking at Wilkins in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 2 to 5 p.m. Part one of three with Seattle, Washington guitarist Danny Mangold. We talk the band Crow, the Metro All-Stars, Jody Hanks, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Seattle, Washington guitarist Danny Mangold. Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hi, new today there, Danny. How are you, Mark? I am awesome here myself. I'm doing wonderful. It's great to meet you. Great to talk to you. And we just decided to kick off the show here because last week I had David Wagoner from Crow on the podcast. And here, Danny is a fan of Crow as well. So what would you like to say about Crow and David Wagoner? What was that thing you said? Well, the I've always had a theory. I saw that band back in 1969. I was still in school 
And I remember my friends going, you've got to see this guy. He's the best lead singer in the world, you know. So I saw them and they played it like a high school dance in uh, Moorhead, Minnesota, which is like hooked on to Fargo. And I remember seeing this ominous guy with just, he was like John Kay from Steppenwolf and Robert Plant together. And he was really kind of a terrifying guy, the way that he sang and everything. And then I met him later when I was gigging in uh, a band called The Metros in uh, Minneapolis in the 80s. And he was the nicest guy in the world, you know. <laughs> so in a way, I was sort of disappointed because I really thought he'd be this big, scary guy. But uh, they were my favorite, favorite group for forever. They, The way that they sounded, uh, they were just... Every guy in that band, they just told a great story when they played. They they left a great legacy, too. Yes, and he can still sing like that. He still sounds like that. I know. I watch him, I watch live ones on YouTube, and it's like, he hasn't changed one bit. No. You know? And this is fun. When he does solo stuff, he does country music. He did country up in the 80s. Uh, he moved up to Duluth, I think or Superior, or something like that. And then he was in a, they did kind of a country-ish kind of, kind of band. But Larry Wiegand and Dick Wiegand and those guys, they were just unreal. In fact, there was a concert in a place called Midway Stadium in St. Paul that's not there anymore. It was off Snelling by the fairgrounds. And there was a concert that was a whopping $5.00 that was uh, the Allman Brothers, the band, Delaney and Bonnie, Muddy Waters, Paul Butterfield Blues Band, and Crow. And Crow played after Muddy Waters, and they were just unreal. I've probably seen him 20 times, you know. So Incredible. I'm glad you had him on your show. He's fantastic. Yeah, we played Absolutely the same great. venue in, in small town Wisconsin, so um, it he was an incredible guy. I've been listening to tons of Crow. Wow, that show sounds awesome. I used to just live across the street from the State Fair office, Snelling, and uh, to see the Allman Brothers, that would have really been something else. And yeah, that whole with lineup, holy criminy. And I, like I said, with tickets, Dwayne? I think we're about $5. Oh, my God. And I remember going to a show about a month before that at the same place. And I, it was the Ike and Tina Turner Review, and I think that was $4. Really? Know? You know, which is like, when you think about it, you go, or even to put it in a bigger uh, perspective, just think, in 1955, 56, you could go see Elvis Presley for free at a state fair. Wow. You, know? you could just wander over by you played on a flatbed tr truck, you know. Was Ike and Tina Turner covering Crow's Evil Woman at that time? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Were totally. they? Yeah. You've been filling me all full of lies. 
Evil Woman was not the song that was on the radio when Crow got their record deal, which was on Amaret Records. It, that wasn't the song that they put out on the radio. That was the one that we all loved. But their producer had them put another kind of a weird song that was their, you know, that they were released as a 45. And it was with horns and kind of a blood, sweat, and tears kind of sound. But they were terrifying sounding band, you know, with Dick Wiegand playing lead guitar, playing, he had a gold top Les Paul that he ran through two twin reverbs. And just, he was Jeff Beck. You wow. Know? He literally was. It was like, it was like, at that time, it was Crow was the biggest band in town. And then right after that, gave way to what's called the ballroom circuit bands. Jesse Brady, Kane, straight up bands like that. And they were all fantastic. And then around the early 80s, when we moved to Minneapolis, our band, we came along with a booking agency. Are you talking about the Metro All-Stars with the Jody Metro Hanks and stuff? Yeah. And you guys for Mandan, North Dakota, or what was that? Jody Hanks was from Mandan Bismarck. Biz, okay, Bismarck, yeah. He's from Bismarck, Mandan. I and Andy Bailey and Larry Stock moved up from Fargo, North Dakota. And our drummer, Andy Godier, was from St. Johnsbury, Vermont. I mean, talk about weird places to come from. Don't miss the 45th Parallel Distillery Dinner at By the Willow in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, Monday, August 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. This is a four-course dinner paired with some fine homegrown spirits. Get your tickets now. 45th Parallel is a family-owned craft distillery in New Richmond, Wisconsin. They opened their doors in 2007 and went from making a single vodka to producing dozens of different spirits, including gins, whiskeys, and citrus liqueurs. 45th Parallel Distillers are committed to a slow craft philosophy, slow fermentation, slow infusion, slow distillation, slow blending, slow aging. Their mission is to create high-quality spirits using local ingredients whenever possible and provide visitors with a great experience. Stop in and check them out at 1570 Madison Avenue New Richmond, Wisconsin. Check out 45thParalleldistillery.com for hours and more information. So you're looking for a quality alcoholic beverage to enjoy while listening to your favorite local musicians, try a 45th Parallel Distillery product. You won't be disappointed. Please drink responsibly. And the reason we had moved to Minneapolis is there's a booking agency that was called GMA that was a huge booking agency. They literally, they started out in Montana moved to Fargo, we signed with them, and they said, if you move to Minneapolis, we'll just book the hell out of you. And they did. We worked probably five nights a week, four sets a night, for from 1979 to 1986. Wow. You know, that's a lot of gigs. And was that mostly locally or kind of regionally? At first, we were just... We were a uh, weekday Minneapolis band. We weren't quite big enough to do the weekends at the Caboose and that. So we'd still have to do uh, gigs as far out as Montana, as far south as Florida, as far east as Chicago. In fact, when we first moved to Minneapolis, we had a bigger draw in Chicago for some reason. 
than we did in Minneapolis. And then we did a gig at uh, Minnehaha Parkway, Minnehaha Falls. There was a big radio station gig for KDWB. I don't know if that station is still there. It's still here. Still there. Well, they did this radio gig with a bunch of other local bands, and they said, oh, we need a sound check band. We need somebody little, you know. And so GMA said, hey, we got this band that just moved up here called the Metro All-Stars. They'll be your sound check band. In other words, we played the first 45 minutes so they could dial in the sound. Well, it was one of those magic nights, you know, when you gig and you know everything is perfect. And we had learned a bunch of uh, obscure cover tunes, some old Motown, some stacks, you know. And John Bream, who's a very famous Minneapolis St. Paul journalist, he worked for the Star Tribune, was there. And we were so good that set that the fall Sunday paper came out and he wrote this glowing article about us that was like, this band is the greatest kick-ass band I've ever seen. They're from Fargo, North Dakota, which is weird. And from that moment on, we were almost like famous in that town from this from this newspaper article. You know, big, huge photograph and everything. It was really kind of a stroke of luck. And there was a couple clubs like the Caboose, the Union Bar, that really said, okay, we're going to run them on the weekends. And from that moment on, we just really had, had our circuit down, you know. There's a lot of YouTube video of Met- the Metro All-Stars as well. It's really fun to watch. Um, where did you guys come up with the name, the Metro All-Stars? Well, it was at that time, when we got that name, it was about 1979. And there was a kind of a swing to the uh, the old kind of Motown and Stax bands like Junior Walker and the All-Stars and you know, uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. It was kind of a, like a, kind of a soul kind of thing. And we all, it was a tongue in cheek because Metro being usually a big metropolitan area. And we just thought, Boy, that takes a lot of balls to call us that, even though we're living in a town like Bismarck, Mandan, Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> These are kind of small towns. We go, that band's got balls if they're going to do that, for crying out loud. And when we got our record deal that was on Capitol Records, our uh, our record company at that time said, you have to dump the All-Stars. That sounds stupid. So we did, and then that got shortened to the Metro's. Wow. And that was in 84. They said it just it looks it just looks funny. But uh when we, the video some of the videos you're talking about that was we were one of the acts in Minneapolis that with the rise of Prince's popularity record companies came to that town. And they signed about one, two, three, about three or four acts. Uh, Atlantic Records came up and signed uh, a band called Limited Warranty that were on Star Search. And uh, we got, uh, the suburbs got a record deal, and we got a record deal. I like cows. And they like me. 
Records and it was distributed by, believe it or not, MTM. Mary Tyler Moore owned a publishing company. The actress, she had television shows. She had about four or five of them, and she started buying up songs. And so Capitol Records had us, distributed us, and she owned all the publishing for it. It was really fantastic, actually. Kid, please don't look at me that way. It's all right, I'm a doctor. Because <laughs> they had a bigger budget. They had a really big budget. In fact, one of the videos on YouTube is a song called After the Passion's Gone that was really shot on film, 35 millimeter film. You know, not video, wasn't digital. And the cost on that video was like $210,000. Whoa. Know? Which is like, can you imagine having that budget for a video now? You know? No kidding. Like exorbitant. And we got our record signed, our deal signed. We were playing in Florida. And the record company had said, we'd like to see the band... And we're coming to Nashville. Had some business up at ID Chrysler Pine City this last week. And man, it was fun test driving cars and seeing the crew again. Another Jeep just may be near in my future for me. But I still love rocking my black Jeep Cherokee I got from ID Chrysler Pine City, Minnesota. With 250,000 miles, my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler Pine City, and the staff could have been more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at idcdjr.com or take the beautiful drive up 35 to 715 Northridge Court, Northwest Pine City, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Friday and Saturday 8 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Pine City today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. To sign another act, can they do a gig there? Sure. We're driving back up to Minneapolis. So we stopped and we were going to do this showcase gig at a really big rock club. Not a country club, it was a big, big rock and roll club. And the night before, this drunk hit the telephone pole that had the power hooked onto it. So the, there was no power into the club. So our agent said, you're going to have to cancel. And we're going, there's no way we're going to cancel. We'll play someplace. We've, we've come all this way to play for the record company. We're going to do it. So we had our uh, agent uh, called our manager and said, find them someplace to play. They'll play anywhere. We'll play at a 7-Eleven parking lot. We didn't give a shit. So they're calling all the other agents in Nashville, and they said, don't play for free. And all these other clubs are going, everybody plays for free in Nashville. They're not that special. Well, they did find a club in a little town outside of Nashville, about 40 miles by Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that was a country western club with chicken wire in front of the band and everything. So our road crew called. They went out and set up, and I said, they called at the hotel. I said, how is it? He goes, Danny, I played some of the worst dumps in the world from basements in Detroit, 
to the middle of Montana, this is the worst place we've ever played. I go, well, can we at least set up the whole, all the PAs? And, Daddy, there's no room. We'll set up one monitor cabinet. Andy Godier will get a snare drum and a cymbal. You and Larry Stock will share a little PV amp. Then we'll bring in one keyboard, and you get one light. You get one par light. So we're going, wow, that sounds, uh, that sounds a little challenging. But we did it. So we went out there, and we actually did the set. We saw the guys from the record company come in because they were so L.A. They just, you know, out of place. And there was probably about 15 people in the club. You know, that's it. So we finished the set. And we said, man, I think we did pretty good. So the A&R guy for the record company came up to the stage afterwards and said, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, they want to meet you. Let's go outside. So we went out there, and there were the guys from the record company, all fresh out of Beverly Hills. And they started talking about Minneapolis. They said things like, Hey, what do you think of the Minneapolis, the Minnesota Twins this year? And we're going, I don't know. They're probably doing pretty good. Oh, hey, what do you think of Purple Rain? That's a fantastic movie. You know, they're just like, they weren't saying anything about how we sounded or what we were like. We thought, this is really weird. And so the president, vice president of the label said, oh, man, it's really late. Uh I got to go home and get some bed. So they walked about 20 feet away from, from us and were like, they didn't even say if we sounded good or not. And then he turned around and he said, hey, have our manager's name is Paul. Have Paul call us in the morning and we'll get your kids all set up with your record deal. And then they got in a Lincoln Town car and drove away. And we're like, no way did that just happen. you know? And sure enough, the next morning they called with, a rec with an offer on the record deal. Incredible. You know? Isn't that something? Didn't say a word about, hey, I like this song. Your guitar sounds good. That's a great hook to this. I think, you know, we can do something. They didn't say a word. In fact, they talked more about Van Halen's jump video than anything. And uh, if we like Prince. What you know. do you think was the Metro All-Stars main song that got them interested in you guys? Was it After the Passion's Gone, or what, would, what do you think? No, it, uh, it wasn't. It was a ballad that I had written back in 1979 called Love Has Made a Fool of You that Larry Stock sang, our bass player. And it was one of those things where a song and a person is perfectly matched. And the A&R guy that came up to see us, he came to see us by your neighborhood. We did a gig off Snelling by the fairgrounds in 84. And I can't remember what it was for. It had to do with, the, it had to do with uh, McAllister College, which was, uh, they had this gig booked that was up there. He came to the gig and he said, that's a top five song. And that was the one that got the attention. And then from, from that point, 
our producer, his name is Tommy West, he said, that'll be the second single that we release, but we're going to release After the Passion's Gone first. And uh, there was another song called North, South, East, West that was really kind of big for us. And that those three, on the strength of those three songs, uh, got the interest of the record company. And the guy that did sign us, his name was Bernie Walters, and he was uh, kind of a big A&R guy in Nashville. And he hooked us up with, uh, he was the one that was really a go-getter in the record company. Could really try to, you know, get more money for us in the recording budget and everything. And it was a great experience, I tell you. What one of those three yeah. songs went over the best live? Oh, a song uh, called, um, well, probably Love Has Made a Fool of You, because it was just really one of those perfectly crafted songs. But I liked After the Passion's Gone. I just thought that was a great song. And it was one that I had written in Brainerd, Minnesota. I just played there this you know, weekend. Yeah, Brainerd, Minnesota. <laughs> it was. We used to have to do a gig up there, uh, you know, during the mosquito season, and we were. So, I get so bored in the hotel room, and I said, "I think I've got a great song." I had the chorus, and we went into the club during the day, and uh, finished it off. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B. And Dale's motto is, a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the truth. The food at T-Bird's Cafe and Takeaway is always spectacular. Passed by B-Dale this weekend, and man, there was a ton of cars. I've never been around for one of those rib fest weekends, but I have to make a point of it next summer for sure. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. I've been told that I've been talked about on these podcast ads, the Waller's Woodhill Cocktails. I'll send them like hotcakes, karaoke, live music, pool table, pool dads, bingo nights, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for cold one soon. And the club, they kept booking us, and we kept bombing and bombing and we said, please don't book us anymore. They hate us here. He goes, they love you guys. And I go, no, they don't. We do songs. Nobody applauds. It's terrible. But we kept getting booked. And the name of the place was called the Waterfall Inn was the name of it. And we used to have to play there about four or five times during the, during the summer. And finally, we refused to play there. But during the day, there was nothing to do. So we'd go rehearse. And we got most of our repertoire from just rehearsing all the time. And a lot of the clubs would let us go in. I, I'm amazed at that now that we would do four hours a night, go home, get up, eat, go to the club, practice for another three hours, go home, get ready for the gig and do the gig. We do that every day. You know, that's... That's really part of that Midwest work ethic that's kind of famous. When I moved out here, I noticed there wasn't quite that work ethic that uh, that is pretty synonymous with Minneapolis. Go, you know, some about that Norwegian German, you know, thing. You just get stuff done. You know, 
I moved here in 89 after the band broke up in 89 and the bands were great. It was the beginning of grunge, but I did notice that they didn't quite have that, that, uh, that really old chutzpah, you know, that we had back, back home, you know. Plus, Minneapolis-St. Paul had not only great acts, they had great booking agents everywhere, you know, showing productions, GMA, Alpha, uh, Marsh Productions. They really kept all the bands working quite a bit, you know. Wow. And the 80s were a great time to be there. Heck Yeah. I played Waterfall Inn a couple years ago. That place just got torn down, I think, just this last year. Rose had been operating all this time. Well, Mike, you know how we finally got out of that having to play there? How? You know, okay, we both know the room, you know, the stage, and there was a row of windows that was on the if you're if you're playing, it was to your right, and there were windows. And the owner had made this little waterfall and it was probably about 20 feet. We were pretty good guys, but I remember going, this way he'll fire us. I know he'll fire us. So I think during that day, we had gone to the grocery store and we had bought some ivory liquid, like a big bottle of it, and we poured it in that waterfall. So bubbles were all over the place and we're going, yeah, so now you'll never book us back again, right? You know, and he never did. He goes, you guys ruined my waterfall. And we're like, we don't give a shit. We ruined the waterfall. It looked like a bubble factory that went out on the street practically because we hated playing there, you know. Interesting. Can you tell me oh, about, yeah, the rec- about recording this song, Love Has Made a Fool of You? We recorded that first um, in a studio in North Dakota. And all it was, was and it came out okay, not great. But then when we moved to Minneapolis, uh, he, he just passed away. There was a producer in that town called Reed McLean. And Reed was fantastic. He was a booker. He worked for uh, Marsh Edelstein at Marsh Productions. And he said, I want to take you into Sound 80. Which at that time, Sound 80 was the biggest studio. Bob Dylan had done Blood on the Tracks there. It was fantastic. And we went in and recorded it, and it just didn't sound great. It just didn't sound... All it was was a recording of the band. It didn't have the magic to it. And we tried a bunch of different things to try to get it together. But that song only really worked live. So when we did... uh, our first record, which was called Night at the Prom, which was recorded at the Prom Center in St. Paul, which, is it still there? Or is no, it gone? Not that I know of. Oh, uh, the Prom Center was a very famous ballroom on University Avenue, right east of Snelling. Okay. And it was famous rock and roll ballroom. And there was the first time it was live. We recorded it. It sounded great. It had all the live magic, all the, the passion of it. Everything was just was just perfect. And all we did was take the uh, take the recording, mastered it, EQ'd it a little bit, you know, changed it, but it had the crowd noise. And then we released that on our first record. 
But when we got signed to MTM down in Nashville, we re-recorded it down there, and it just didn't sound as good as when we used to do it live. You know, one of those things. Just that feedback you need from the audience just wasn't quite there. And we tried it many times with a lot of things, but our live recordings were always better. In fact, our drummer used to record every night on a cassette board tape, which sounds like crap. And he has a bunch of, he lives in Portland and I go down and see him all the time. And he said, do you want to have some copies of this? And I go, no, they really sound bad. He goes, get over yourself and go listen to it. I said, okay. Well, so I brought the cassette up and you know what a board tape sounds like. They're dry and not very good. Well, so I put it in my Nakamichi deck and remastered it through my Logic Pro uh, mastering suite in my recording. And it sounded awesome. So those were the best recordings with these ones. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times and the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distillery, ID Chrysler, Pine City, and the B-Dell Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go with some fun. Till next time. We'll play a little song for you right here. This features Andy Bailey on the keyboard and Larry Stock on vocals. This is called When Love Was Made a Fool of You. Sandy Bailey on the keyboards. Give him a hand. Come on.
Of, of food. 